0: The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show
1: on Relevant Radio.
2: If you're not fully vaccinated, you have good reason to be concerned. You're at a high risk of getting sick. And if you get sick, you're likely to spread it to others, including friends and family. And <clears throat> the unvaccinated have a significantly higher risk of ending up in a hospital <clears throat> or even dying. Almost everyone who has died from COVID 19 in the past many months has been unvaccinated.
3: The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Uh, That was the president yesterday. He addressed the nation, told unvaccinated Americans that uh, getting the COVID vaccine was, well, it's your patriotic duty. It's an obligation to your country. Those are powerful words. Uh, You know, once again, he pushed Americans to get vaccinated. And look, a majority of Americans are vaccinated. Uh, we know that uh, after the two shots, a lot of people are now waiting for the uh, for the booster. And a lot of people say you need to be boosted to have any effect against Omicron. But last Friday, the White House, uh, I don't know if you remember this, I guess it was almost a week ago now, they, they issued a statement on the heels of uh, Omicron coming to our shores. And, and I'll just share part of it. Here's what they said. They said, quote, we're intent on not letting Omicron disrupt work and school for the vaccinated. You've done the right thing. And we'll get through this. For the unvaccinated, you're looking at a winner, a severe illness and death for, for yourselves, your families, and the hospitals you may soon overwhelm. Of course, didn't go over that well, right? And a lot of people are saying, well, my understanding is, yeah, it might be more communicable, but the symptoms are a lot less severe, right? So the president yesterday in his address, and I, I just look, I'm an observer. Of all things, I, I like to hear what people say and then maybe how they change their tunes or how things evolve. Uh, the president toned down uh, what he was saying quite a bit, and and this, this, but he was still persistent. Here's what he said. He said, all these people who have not been vaccinated, you have an obligation to yourselves, to your family, and quite frankly, uh, I, I know I'll get criticized for saying this to your country, but I honest to God believe it's your patriotic duty. So the president wants everyone to go out and get voted. He also credited Donald Trump, and then Trump reciprocated with kind words, saying how the nation needed healing. So that's good to see, because I know uh, neither of these men, in, in what they've said in the past, seem to really be very charitable towards each other or like each other very much. And uh, the Biden administration never really wanted to give the Trump uh, administration any credit for Operation Warp Speed. I mean, they, they brought about a million vaccines uh, before Trump even left office. Uh, and they developed one in record time. I mean, normally it would take years, and they did in eight months. So, I mean, credit is due where credit is due, and I'm glad to see that that's being acknowledged. I, I, I think people appreciate that. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. When we have respect for each other, you know, when we can credit each other where credit is due, um, I think it resonates. It does with me at least. I'm like, good. I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. That was the right thing to do. And where criticism is needed, then criticism is needed. But you know, it can't all be can't all be one side. Uh, on Tuesday, there was a select subcommittee on the coronavirus crisis, and they held a remote hearing uh, examining this, this urgent need to accelerate global coronavirus uh, vaccination efforts. And there's a congressman by the name of Jim Jordan, uh, and he, he, I think he's from Ohio, I mean, Jim Jordan from Ohio, he expressed his desire for the CDC to, to use some of its funding to figure out, you know, how effective is natural immunity, right? I mean, you, you may have had COVID. Um, you know, I have a, a son and a daughter-in-law who are vaccinated. I had a younger daughter who did not get the vaccine, but she got COVID. She was, she got it when it first came about. And then just recently she got it a second time, right? And, um, how effective is natural immunity? I think it's a huge question. I mean, how many of you have been vaccinated and got COVID? My wife and I have a, a friend, uh, who had her, her vaccination, but she came down with, with COVID. She was out for another seven or eight days. So, you know, the vaccines aren't hundred percent, they're not bulletproof. Uh, but if you have had COVID, you've got your T-cells, your, your, your antibodies, how effective is natural immunity as an alternative to, to a vaccine? Listen, just to a bit of conversation. This is between Representative Jordan and Dr. Marty McCary of John Hopkins Bloomberg uh, School of Public Health. Listen.
4: Dr. McCarry, 31,000 people spending $58 billion a year. Uh, why hasn't our government done a study on natural immunity?
1: If I can be honest, uh, Representative Jordan, I don't think they want to know the answer. It would undermine the indiscriminate vaccine vaccination policy for every single human being, including extremely low risk so, people.
4: So, uh, how many how many Americans have uh, have have got COVID uh, since since we've had this virus? Do you know,
1: north of half of Americans, based on a Columbia University study that showed one in three had COVID at the end of last year, a year ago.
4: So there's certainly a, certainly a, a, a sufficient sample size to, to do a study. And there's 57 to $58 billion. Some, I mean, you could use some of that money to do a study. And then of course, you, know, you got 30 some thousand people who could conceivably do a study on a pretty fundamental uh, question. If, if I understand, I think this was in your opening statement as well. Other countries have done this study. Is that, is that correct?
1: Uh, most of our learnings come from Israel and other countries, yes, sir.
4: And what have they found? Let's, let's start with the Israel study, if you could just refresh my memory. What did Israel find?
1: The Israel study is the largest study done worldwide, and it found that natural immunity adjusted for age and comorbidity is 27 times more effective than vaccinated immunity. And they just put out on December 5th, another study, follow, a follow-up study, again, affirming similar results, that, vac- that natural immunity is stronger than vaccinated immunity.
4: But uh, but our, but are the scientists in our government at the at CDC and, and, and NIH, they don't account for that. They don't talk about that. They, what, what do they say about that study?
1: They never talk about it um, unless asked. But I would say that they are doing worse than being absent on the topic. They are undermining natural immunity through two studies that the CDC did that are so flawed, that are so uh, poorly put together, honestly, they would not qualify for a seventh grade science fair. The results cannot be derived from the data. The NIH spent twice as much money on aging research last year, the year of COVID, uh, more than they spent on COVID research. We've subjected 72 million children to intense restrictions for two years, yet we don't have the most basic research. We've never had an NIH-funded study on masks in kids. And we've never had any information revealed by the CDC on whether or not any ch- it, healthy child has died the of doctor, prison.
3: You know, I, I'm going to hold it right there. I, I just got to say, that's it's a striking conversation. And if you missed part of it, or if you said, wait, I want to share that with my spouse, or I got to share that with this friend, uh, we will post um, our show up uh, as soon as I get off the air in about three hours. Maggie tends to get it up. Just go to hour one and and replay that. Did you hear what they said? I mean, a couple things are, I don't want to go too deep into this, but, but one in three Americans, one in three people have had COVID already. So why aren't we looking at, at natural immunity, natural immunity? And here's the real uh, ringer for me. This is what really resonated in my ears. Natural immunity is 27 times more effective than vaccinations. Now I am not undermining vaccinations. I work with people who have had COVID and then have been vaccinated. So maybe they're they're super immune. But, but 27 times more effective than vaccinations. We should at least be looking at this. I, I go back to my earlier point. Just as, you know, Joe Biden credited Trump for for you know, uh, getting a vaccine, and and Trump was complimentary in return. Um, let's get politics out of this conversation, and let's acknowledge certain truths you know, and and not mute them for a political agenda. If natural immunity is 27 times more effective than vaccinations, why aren't we talking about it? Why, why isn't there at least conversation? It doesn't say don't get vaccinated. It doesn't say stop the campaign to try to encourage Americans to get vaccinated. All, all I'm saying is let's Let's look at the science, right? Isn't that the mantra of the Biden administration? We believe in science. Isn't that one of those those mantras you hear over and over again? As if though people who who don't, you know, who you know, people who don't want to get vaccinated don't. Um your natural immunity is twenty-seven times more effective than vaccinations. I think the American people, I think you and I have a right to understand the role that natural immunity plays. Okay. Is it perfect? No. As I said, I have a friend. A woman who was vaccinated, then she got COVID. I've had a daughter had COVID, no vaccination, and then got COVID again. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's not one size fits all. Uh, the, the, the doctor went on to say, he said, you know, these studies that have been done, you know, on some of the stuff, they wouldn't qualify for a seventh grade science fair. I thought that was pretty telling, too. So, look, I'll stay on top of this. I think this is one of the underreported stories of COVID. And I, I hope there's a journalist listening to me right now out there that will look into why why is this not being uh, exposed with, with a much broader lens? Why isn't there greater dialogue in this? What is the agenda behind not talking about this? I, I know that if people think they've had it. They're not going to get vaccinated. I'm sure that's kind of the rationale of the Biden administration. But, um, you know, I, I think we need to, I think we just need truth. Right. I'll, I'll leave it at that. There, there's a lawmaker in New York State. One final thought on this. Something else that came across my my radar here. Uh, you know, Joe Biden says it's your patriotic duty to get vaccinated. Um uh, so there's a, there's a lawmaker in New York who's trying to pass legislation. They've been doing this. They've been trying since 2015 that would, in essence, create internment camps. Now, I know you're thinking you didn't hear me right. What? This is the United States of America. Internment camps? Come on, Drew. Uh, you know, you've seen it in Australia. Uh, I heard a story about Austria now hiring people to try to track down people who who aren't getting vaccinated, you know, uh, Nick Perry, he's an assemblyman uh, from, uh, I believe it's Flatbush. He first wrote the bill when the threat of Ebola was present. Remember how that was a threat in New York? Uh, there was a nurse that came back from Africa, refused to quarantine and made big, big headlines, right? Well, according to the National Pulse, the bill that he's proposing gives the governor and his delegates or her delegates the right to remove and detain, and that's the key word there, right? Detain any individual or group of people through issuing a single order, and the orders only have to include an individual's name and, and reasonably specific descriptions of the individuals or groups. So the health department can decide uh, to hold a person or a group of people in a medical facility or any other facility that they deem that they you know they deem uh, appropriate. Uh, to, to me, this. Uh, this just does not sit well. Uh, I, I think the scope is too broad, and you can see how something like this can certainly be, be abused or ultimately manipulated. Uh, in addition, those in authority could require an individual who's been exposed or infected to a contagious disease to complete an appropriate presri- prescribed course of treatment and preventative medication or vaccination. So they arrest you, they lock you in the, an internment camp, and then they force medical treatment on you. Right, that's just a big picture. I, I, I don't always want to see something dark and nefarious in the motives of other people. I'm sure the the concept behind this was, hey, let's separate them from the population. Let's make sure they're well, make sure nobody else gets in, infected. But you can see how slippery that slope is, right? You can see how blurred that line can quickly become. And, and how something like that, that you can argue is innocent, can really be quite nefarious. The bill's been presented every year since 20. 20- Fifteen and of course it's gone nowhere, right? Not not even in New York. It has gone nowhere. But once news of this got out, its sole sponsor Nick Perry felt the uh, the pressure, uh, and he decided to withdraw it. So that's where we are uh, right now on that story. Um, one final issue, and I'm going to change gears here. Just as I think this is a result, you know, this actually it's a surprising story to me. I was going to say it's a result of COVID. I I don't know if it is. Maybe you have a theory on this. I I came across a story last night, and I thought I want to talk to you about it. I I just I'm trying to get my head around. I always try to see, you know, why are we seeing this now, and and what motivated and what was the result of it. The Census Bureau they reported yesterday that the population of our country it was flat. It was almost stagnant last year. The number of people in our country only increased. They said by one tenth of one percent. One-tenth of 1%. One According to the, the the Bureau, 17 states and the District of Columbia, they lost population. 17 states and D.C. lost population. Uh, 11 of those 17 states had losses, more than a, more than 10,000 people. And, of course, the Bureau added this is a historically large number of states to, to lose population in a year. And, and, you know, my first reaction is, well, there's been a lot of deaths due to COVID. So maybe that offsets the population growth. Um, I, I would argue... You know, having uh, less immigration into this country due to COVID would reduce those numbers too because that affects our population growth. However, our borders have been wide open, right? Now, again, these people are not processed. They're not legitimate citizens now, but still. Um, and then again, you know, I thought people being locked down, watching movies, hanging out with their loved ones, maybe you're going to have a few more kids, right? <laughs> you know, I, I would have thought we might have a little baby boom. You know, when there's blackouts and things like that, nine months later, what do you do? You, you, you see uh, You see a little spike in, in births. It's not the case. Not the case at all. I, I was struck by that. Um, so it's very telling. I don't know. I don't have the answer. Uh, there could be any of those things. could be all those things. I, I could be missing something. I guess we're going to see, you know, what it's like to have a decreasing population just like Japan and, and Russia and other parts uh, of Europe. So, you know, what's interesting is that the there were more immigrants coming into our country than the net gain of the current population, but we still have a crisis at the border and, and that crisis is actually getting, it's, it's getting worse, to be honest with you. Border Patrol around Yuma, Arizona, they suppo- they reportedly, and I'm sure they did, they apprehended a, a potential terrorist who illegally entered the U.S. from Mexico. How many of these runners are terrorists? How many of these people who got through and slipped through the radar are uh, are here for, for evil or nefarious purposes? I don't know. The 21-year-old immigrant was from Saudi Arabia is linked to several, several uh you have many subjects of interest, the government said. So let's just hope that there aren't other terrorists who have um, illicit or evil uh, purposes in mind and who have slipped through the cracks. Uh, we'll pray for that. I pray for our country all the time. I really do. I hope you do too. Um, this is a great nation. I think God has a special place for America. I just hope we don't continue to offend him. I hope we fulfill that role that he's given us. And, uh, you know, one of the things we can do is call upon the intercession of the saints, Uh, I I often, you know, pray for the souls in purgatory, and I know when they get to heaven, man, they are powerful intercessors. So uh, this is a month. You know, we talked in November about the month of the souls in purgatory. This month is the month of the holy, uh, Thursday, November is the month of the holy souls. This month, though, uh, my next guest taught me something I never knew. She had told me that purgatory is perhaps its emptiest during Christmas she she claims there's an old tradition that says more souls are freed from purgatory at christmas time than any other time of the year. That might be news to you too, all right? Wouldn't that be cool if you have a loved one that has gone by, amp up the prayers, you know, they may be celebrating in heaven. And and uh well, here to give us some perspective. To answer your questions too. If you want to join us, feel free to dial in. His best-selling author, Susan Tassone. It's good to have her. If you want to check out all of her books or learn more about her, Susan Tassone, com is her website. Hi, Susan.
5: Drew, Mariani, this is my favorite show with you.
3: Oh, you but, say that to all the show hosts.
5: Right? I do not. You can check You can check my shows, Drew. And if you go to my website, your shows are up there.
3: That's awesome. Well, it's good but to have you here. And like I said, I'm, you taught me something great. So why don't you share I'm it with everyone? I'm
5: so excited, Drew, because this is it. This is this is the final push. This is the push them over the wall. This is to get them home for Christmas because we have two doctors of the church, Alphonsus Lagori and Teresa Vavila, that said from their revelations that most souls are released on Christmas Day, um, so it's not all souls. It's Christmas Day, and then Easter, and then Our Lady's Feast Days, and then our and then our our, our Lord's Fe- our Lord's Feast Days, Our Lady's Feast Days, and then all the great great saints follow. Um, in fact, today Drew is the anniversary of maybe let's say about 103 years old, the anniversary of Mother Cabrini, and she, wow. too, had a devotion to the souls. Her national shrine is here in Chicago. It's about a mile from my home, and we're celebrating uh, her jubilee, her 75th jubilee anniversary of, of her canonization, and there's a holy door. So if you're in Chicago or you're down wow. here for the holidays – Stop at the shrine, walk through the holy doors, gain the indulgence. There's a breathtaking relief of the souls in Purgatory, Drew. I'm going to have to send you a picture of it. They're so real, they give me the goosebumps. So wow. that's one thing you can do, gain an indulgence um, with, the, with, the, with the standard, the ordinary conditions of mass, communion, confession within 20 days, and then you apply your indulgence, Our Father, Hail Mary, Glory be, and you can apply your indulgence to the souls or to a particular soul. Also here in Chicago the The cathedral, Holy Name Cathedral, has the holy door as well for Mother Cabrini. So, if you're down here, you can either visit her shrine or stop at at the cathedral, walk through the holy door, and and gain that special indulgence for her, who also had a great love for the souls in purgatory as well. So, yes, back to Christmas. I this is it, true. This is the time. This is the time to Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, um, and the eight days after, because Christmas is for eight days. Christmas is every day for eight days. So most of those are released on Christmas Day. Well, guess what? Christmas is for eight days. So we can we can empty purgatory. I, that's my goal always. We could shut the lights oh. off, send, send everybody home. Um, and so um, So during this time of year, at Christmas Eve Mass or Christmas Mass or any Mass for the first, you know, those eight days of the active Offer your communion, offer your indulgence, do the stations, pray the rosary, and apply it to a soul or all souls in purgatory. Um, and you know, what's in it for you? I when I was in the corporate world, Drew, it was called the them. You know, uh, what's in it for me? What is the what is the you know what does the the client get from this? What do you get from this? You get their intercession, and I have to. Correct you slightly, Drew, because yeah, you're, uh, you're very, you've please. got everything on target, but they also pray for us while they're in purgatory. They, yeah. That's you, one you know, thing they can to, do.
3: Hmm. The, the, let's talk about that, because I, I get that question all the time. I've written back to several listeners, and I actually quote you and the catechism, because that's it, one of the great mysteries. It, it, and there's, it, there's it, theological it, debate over that. There's certain theologians that argue yes, and there's others that say no. But you've made, I think, a very eloquent case for the fact that the souls in purgatory, just as so we can pray for them... They can pray for us, although they can't pray for themselves. Their, their chance of doing that is over. But why don't you expand on that?
5: Yes. The, once the soul leaves the body, um, it, it's, it's either going to – they're standing before God, your final judgment, your individual judgment, and, and you're either going to pay off a debt in purgatory, you're going to be in heaven, or, God forbid, in hell. And so, so you actually choose – you know God you see God shows you your life he gives you the light he you see what what the graces he had and what he offered for you you see the lovableness of God and you actually turn and and say i i'm not ready because there's no rebellion in purgatory but the one thing they can do is intercede and it's clearly stated in the catechism, number 958, that their prayers uh, offer, uh, the more you pray for them, the more effective their their intercession is for you. So it's right out of the catechism. It's one of my favorite lines, too. Another favorite line of mine, Drew, is, uh, is uh, Blessed Solanus Casey. He has a great deep devotion for the souls. And I love his line, and I've tested his line. He said, they hardly ever fail. And it's true, Drew. You know, I had something happen this year. We had a couple of COVID cases, and I I just, what I did was, and and it's in my books, I offered a very special devotion that they love is the Stations of the Cross for 33 days for a special favor. Before I finished 33... It shocked me because it was really. Yeah, I just, just, I just knew this. This was. This could not happen. But it did. It did. I was. I was very grateful for them. So yes, they. That's the wow. one thing they can do is intercede while they're in purgatory. And after they're released, there's a big uh, reception line where the angels that escort them. Uh, to heaven, there's, uh, it's, it's just, uh, you know, I have this vision of they're they're shooting up to heaven with these angels on both sides, so their entrance is very triumphant. Um, and the first thing they do is they prostrate themselves before the throne of God and they pray for you, continue to pray for you unceasingly all the days of your life until you're safely home in heaven. They become oh. your nearest, your dearest, your sincerest friends. And to know this too, Drew, out of all the research and the, the studies and the near death experience, Experiences and the revelations of the saints, and who visited Mother Teresa and and Padre Pio. Guess who they were? Those that they lived with, the orders, their fellow sisters, their fellow monks, and family Uh, members. That's who they go to first, Drew. They go to them first. And, go ahead. Your turn. No, I
3: was, just, I was just going to say, I only have, I only have a, about a moment or two left. And I do want to get one other thing in here, because, you know, we often talk Gregorian masses, but you also have been promoting to me, you've been saying, Drew, we've got to talk about oh, this particular shrine that's yes. dedicated to the souls. Yes, uh, I yes, don't know. It, I really don't know much about it, but I only have a minute or two for yeah, you. So why, why don't you books, expand the on story that? story
5: I've had in my books in 2009, it's the world center prayer for the dead. I've never been able to get up there, but if you're devastated because you couldn't be with a lover. One, because they died mm-hmm. because of the pandemic, or if you're in despair because you forgot to apologize or thank someone who died, um, you're not alone. This place is all for the dead. It's, uh, they're, they're an order of uh, St. Martin. What they do, there's like six priests. They pray for the dead, For the past 135 years, that's their job, and and they also have a special chapel for aborted babies, for babies that were miscarried, for young babies that had died, for children that have died. Um, There's a special chapel where they pray for them. They have a special mass for abandoned souls. The most abandoned souls, who are very powerful, by the way. They also have a, a couple times a week masses for the deceased priests. So. So what I loved about it, Drew, is that you can join the fraternity, and it's, 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 there's nothing like it ever, because you, be, you are being right. prayed for every day throughout your life, and then after your death, you continue to be prayed for permanently. And I, what, you know, if so, you know, what, what, who can ask for more? You know, many people don't know if their families are going to get them for masses unless you put them in your will and you designate your executor. But yeah. if you want to be prayed for now and you want you, your loved ones to be under that mantle, and the background was there was a priest named Father Bouguet. So in yeah. the 1800s, he had a brother named August, August Bouguet. August Bouguet was a bell ringer down the road. In a neighboring uh, neighboring church troop and on, this was a really bizarre story the bell fell from the steeple and killed him. it totally wow. wiped out father Bougay. he couldn't he was beside himself so he began praying for him and he just continued to pray and then he started to pray for other people that have been deceased in fact this brother had two yeah. children and the two girls they died of grief so this right. thing started to, you know, um, blossom into yeah. having mass effects for the dead. And well, this I love price- it.
3: Susan, I gotta leave it right there because I'm up against the clock. Go to and You and get more info. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester.
2: Namely the subject of angels. We receive many requests for that particular subject. We know there are angels. How do we know? Well, we know first of all, let me tell you what an angel is, the origin of the word. Angelos means messenger. An angel was understood to be a creature far below God and yet far above man. Purely spiritual, without a body, but possessed of an intellect and will. Jews believed in angels. As a matter of fact, they believed that St. Michael, the is the protector of Israel. Moslems believe in angels. Christians believe in angels. And pagans believe in angels. Reason demands angels. Seneca speaks of angels. So does Virgil. So does Plutarch. Epictetus said that every man is a guardian angel. Plato and Aristotle said that God used the angels for the government of the world. An angel is very smart, much smarter than man. He knows more science than Einstein, knows more baseball than Leo DeRocher, knows more jokes than Bob Hope, and knows a million times better than I do how to give a good television
3: show. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, that was none other then uh, the great Archbishop Fulton Sheen, soon to be we will be calling him blessed very soon. I'm sure he's on his path to, to sainthood, too. What an incredible intellect. What a great gift of oration. I mean, what great wisdom that he shared with, with the nation. You know, he lived at a very different time than we're in right now. You know, was very, there wasn't 500 or 800 different stations to choose from. You know, today you can stream anything you want, watch anything you want whenever you want. Back then, there was only just a couple networks, and he actually won an Emmy. It was up against Milton Berle, but you know, I remember my father, who was in Boston at the time. He said, you know, he'd be in a bar, a restaurant, someplace. He was a broadcaster. He got off the air and he went in, and um, Second Sheen came on. the, the bartender in this one bar stopped serving drinks and turned the TV up. Everybody watched him. Uh, he had a profound way of reaching people. Of course, speaking today. About angels and angels. You really, are such an integral part of the Advent story, aren't they? Their, their presence culminates in in the throng of angels who appeared to the shepherds on that hill outside of Bethlehem. Right. We're closing in on Christmas night. Can you imagine what an experience that had to be? You're out tending your your sheep or whatever your your uh, you know, whatever your flock was. And these angelic presences. Be in the same. You know, they, they speak to you actually, you know, scripture tells us that, you know, these shepherds were abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock at night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were afraid. Isn't that funny too? I mean, angels have this powerful specter, if you will, this presence. You now, what did the angel Gabriel say to the, the Virgin Mary? Mary, be not afraid. You know, when, when people encounter angels sometimes they are so magnificent, their reaction is fear. You know, it shouldn't be that because they're really a reflection of God. And the angel said to the, the shepherds, he said, fear not, fear not, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find that babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel, they said, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men of goodwill. What an amazing encounter that had to be. And Imagine how that word spread throughout Bethlehem, right? How do you make something like that up? What a transforming uh, event. If you, if you think about angels too, the angelic, just the, the very presence pushing in now, on the ordinary world, uh, it comes to Zachariah, right, the father of John the Baptist, the Virgin Mary, St. Joseph. Finally, here they are appearing with with a message that God's Son has been born to these shepherds. Uh, amazing, amazing story, and I just, I, I just love it. I'm invited today. I'm not an expert on angels by any means. Fascinated by them. I often fail to acknowledge my own angel. I apologize quite frequently to him for that, uh, but I've been trying to really promote devotion to the angels and deepen my own. Relationship with mine, and I would encourage you to do the same thing. Mike Aquilina is an incredibly uh, gifted author. Uh, He's written something like more than 40 books, and uh, he's got a website. If you want to learn more and and maybe pick up his book on Angel, you can find more at mikeaquilina.com or just go to fathersofthechurch.com if you can't spell his last name. But he has written on angels, and I thought I'd invite him today to give us some perspective on these angels of both Advent and Christmas. Mike, good afternoon. Good to have you with us. Hey, thanks for having me back, Drew. Always good to talk to you. It is. It's such a delight. Um, the, the 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 angels played such a prominent role in the Old Testament leading up to both the birth of John the Baptist to, to Jesus Christ himself. Uh, I, I know you've written extensively on them, but this has to be a magnificent moment. I, I can't imagine being out on that starry night and having an angelic encounter like that uh, g- give me your perspective unpack what happened around this time of year how god uses these angels and what we know about them
0: well i think you're right that that the people who were involved in the story of um uh, of the nativity the different characters that we 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 meet in those scenes uh, they were they were jews and they were accustomed to to the stories from the Old Testament for the re- from they were accustomed to the readings from the prophets and they had heard about angels and angels interactions with human beings you know they, they knew the story that we know from the lectionary today of, of Isaiah you know encountering the the cherubim in the uh, in, in the sanctuary and and being frightened <laughs> you yeah, know they right. they knew the story of Zechariah who had who had angels as tour guides and even one angel who spoke with him who, who conversed with him back back and forth they knew all of these precedents for for what could happen. they knew that angels were involved in creation and were involved involved in the the authority on earth uh religious authority and the the authority of the state. So you know they they were prepared by their religion for that kind of happening and uh and so, uh, so when it happened uh, they they knew what they were dealing with, and it had to be frightening, as you pointed out, the angels always seemed to be saying uh, don't be afraid, <laughs> don't be afraid, don't anybody be alarmed, you know because they must have been intimidating. We see in the book of Revelation that when Saint John is having his visions and he encounters an angel, he falls to the ground as if to worship the angel, because that's the only the only proper response to such a mighty mighty being. But the angel says, "Don't worship don't don't worship him, because he's just a creature like John, a, a you know a, a fellow disciple of the Lord of the Lord." So, so yes, it must have. They must have been prepared for it in many ways. But it's one of those things that you can never really be prepared for, uh, encountering an angel.
3: You know, as I said, f- you know, throughout the Old Testament, of course, in the New Testament too, we have accounts of them as well. Yes. But they're just as active today, though, aren't they? I mean, so often, I, I, Mike, I say I forget my angel. You know, I yeah. I'm always turning to the Lord or the saints or to Our Lady. And so often I forget my age. I've been, I've really, in the past several months, past year, I've really been trying to cultivate that relationship with with our guardian here. Uh, you know, what role does our guardian play uh, too? Maybe you can expound a little bit on that. How can I deepen my own relationship with them?
0: Well, we say it in that prayer, uh, that the role of the guardian angel is to light and guard, to rule and guide. You know, we all feel this need for guidance. We all want light. We all want to know what's going on, what we're walking into. And we can go to our angel with help on that. As, As Bishop Sheen pointed out, these angels are smarter than Einstein. You know, they're more powerful than anybody on the football field. They're strong in that way. And God created an angel. One angel just to be my companion through this life, just to be your companion through this life. That's the most tremendous gift. And, and, um, and God wants us to cooperate with these angels, to collaborate with these angels, because the angels are never going to force our hand. They're never going to compel us to do something, but they will light and guard, rule and guide. Heaven always respects our freedom, and, uh, and the angels will always operate on that principle. They'll always respect our, our freedom. But what we want to do is to work with them, learn to cooperate with them, collaborate with them by cultivating that devotion to the guardian angels you're talking about, so that we have this line open to them, so to speak. They know that we're, we're with them, and we've stated that we're with them. So that's our consent. That's a necessary part of a relationship with the angels. They're always going to guard us, and they're always going to do the best they can. But if you're working together it's all the more effective it's just like if you're working together with another another person another coworker there you know if you if you have a relationship if you're if you're working willingly with this person, you can work a lot more effectively with that person yeah.
3: it's, it's kind of cool too because I know they often uh, visit us without us knowing you know many people encounter angels. Yeah. yeah but there are times where where you do brush up against your angel and you recognize it I've I've encountered my angel he saved my life one time and I'm convinced that that I I met him soon thereafter but uh, many of the great saints, um, you know, like Padre Pio and others, were able to communicate with with their angel. It just bring some clarity to me, clarity to me, if, if you could. I heard somebody once say, "Oh, you know, angels aren't here to do our bidding. You know, they're here to help you with those virtues that you need to grow in holiness and closer to God." And, and I, I get that, but so often, sometimes people say, "Hey, I'm going to send my angel to this person's angel, or you know, I'm going to ask my angel to help me do acts." what is their what is our relationship to them I, I do we have authority over them i don't think we do but i mean expand on what we can ask of them and and what their duties or limitations are if that makes sense to you
0: well in galatians chapter 4 st paul seems to indicate that our relationship with the angels has changed as a result of the incarnation that now they serve us because we live in Christ Jesus, we've been divinized, we've been deified, we have a holy communion with Jesus, we've become partakers of the divine nature, St. Peter said. We have this dignity, we've come into the fullness of our dignity in the family of God, and now the angels are no longer our babysitters. They're our servants. Um, St. Saint, um, Saint, Saint Augustine said that our relationship with the angels is very simple. It's a relationship of amicizia, friendship. We should have this fellowship that's a deep bond with the angels. We should have this, this conversation that's an ongoing uh, a facet of our lives, our inner lives. Um, so, So... Uh, it, it's not a matter of of, um, of getting them to do things any more than it's a matter of getting your children to do things around the house, or or you know right. asking asking your wife for help with something in the kitchen, whatever right. it is. Um, it, it, there are all kinds of endeavors that we lean on each other for, that we work together. Um, you know, while we're while we're we're, we're pursuing these things, right. it, it's not it's not do, when when someone complies that way, they're not doing right. our bidding. They're just doing what friends do, and that's what we should be doing with the angels. God has placed them in our lives for our good. God has created them for our sake and for his glory. That's an awesome thing, and we should make the most of it.
3: Uh, Mike, I have to take a short break, but stay with me. When we come back, I want to get everybody plugged into your book. The title of your book on angels, what's the – how can they get it? Angels of God.
0: I've actually written three on angels, but the most popular one is Angels of God.
3: All right, well, stay with us. We'll get you plugged in and where you can pick that book up or all three of you love them. Buy all three, put them in your spiritual library. I'm going to take a short pause. When we come back, if you want, I only have a couple minutes with Mike. You can dial in triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Join the conversation. Ask your questions. We'll be back with more right after this. For Forrester's is proud to sponsor the relevant radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com Forrester. Get caught up on that conversation you missed by going to the Relevant Radio archives. Just select The Drew Mariani Show. Yeah, hey, thanks for joining us. I'll take a couple of your calls. I have a few minutes though. My guest, Mike Aquilina. Today, we're talking about the Angels of Christmas. Really, we're talking about angels in general. Uh, Mike has uh, written dozens of books. He's actually written three of those on the topic of angels. His best-selling book is called Angels of God. I know you can check out his websites, a couple places, mikeaquilina.com or Fathers of fathersofthechurch.com. But Mike, let me, um, let me ask you quickly. I, I don't know who publishes those books. Uh, what's the best way to get Angels of God?
0: Well, with any of my books, if you go to CatholicBooksDirect.com, CatholicBooksDirect.com, and you just look up my name there, they have a fairly complete uh, selection of my books, and they usually have the best prices, too. So that's where I'd go, CatholicBooksDirect.com.
3: All right, let's grab a call or two. Uh, Todd is listening to us in Lexington, Kentucky. Todd, good afternoon. Hi, Drew. Hey, real quick, you know, you were talking
0: with Father Rocky yesterday, and I wanted to tell Mm -hmm. you, I started listening to you in 2005 when I began my journey into the church at the the advice of someone who said that when they started into the church, that's what they did, listen to Catholic Radio. So thank you for all the years that you've been on the air and all you've done.
3: Thank you, Todd. Praise God, I'm glad you you came in. But go right ahead.
0: So uh, St. Jose Maria Escrivá,
1: was known to address the guardian angel of the per of someone he might be getting ready to have a conversation with just prior to to meeting with them and would address that person 's guardian angel but I thought the other thing that he did too was that before he
0: would enter into a a room go through a doorway, he would hesitate for just a minute second or two to allow his guardian angel to go in ahead of him, and that 's something
1: that he used to do a practice that he used to do
3: cool i, I think that's that 's really I...
0: great Todd. I have a real devotion to St. Jose Maria myself, and I, I've learned a lot of these practical things about devotion to the guardian angels from his writings. I, I think it's great to, uh, to, to make it practical that way, you know, to do something physical. Even though you know in your heart that your angel isn't, isn't physically uh, in need of you to move aside, you're reminding yourself. It's a psychological help for you uh, when you do that. And it, it's it's a real act of devotion. It's a real um, act of affection. Like there are lots of things, the ways I show my affection to my wife, uh, they're not necessary, but they're good. They're good for both of us to to um, to rekindle love and that sort of thing. So it's building a relationship.
3: Yeah. Uh, look, uh, Todd. I hope you have a very blessed Christmas. Thank you for your kind words and thanks for listening and contributing so often throughout the year. It's good to talk with you. We'll, we'll catch up again soon. Okay? Merry you got Christmas. it. Merry Bye, Christmas man. to you, too. Um, and and I, I know that uh, Father Rocky, who is a, a member of Opus Dei, I was having a conversation with yesterday. I know that St. Uh, Jose Maria Escriba would often send his angels. He he personally had an encan- encounter uh, with his angel, too. Uh, kind of a cool yes, story there. Yes, it's a there. wonderful story. Do you want to share that? Maybe people don't know that. Oh, a, yes, a great yes, one.
0: yes. He was, um, it was during the Spanish Civil War, during the, or it may have been during the the violence that led up to the Spanish Civil War, when it was a very dangerous thing to be a priest. And he was known for his pastoral work. So he was walking down an alley, and suddenly he found himself facing a gang of thugs who wanted to do violence to him and probably kill him. Mm. And, uh, and that would have gone unpunished at the time. Uh, and all of a sudden... Uh, you know this big bruiser of a guy comes along behind him, pushes him out of the way, and says, "You know, get out of the way, mangy donkey." And he goes and he he just frightens away the the gang of thugs. Now, and then the guy just just goes away. He laughs and he goes away. Now Saint Jose Maria said that mangy donkey was the nickname he gave himself when he spoke to our Lord in prayer. Right. So the only person who could have known that phrase would have been his guardian angel, and he used that to address him when he was in this dangerous situation.
3: That's so cool. Hey, uh, have you ever encountered your angel? Uh, you, you think he saved you, interceded? Oh. Have you encountered something that truly said, hey, that was my guardian?
0: Uh, many times, many times. I can't count the number of times, uh, and even in humorous ways. Like one time, one time I, was, I was driving down the interstate, and I was driving, I will admit, I was driving too fast. But I was talking to my guardian <laughs> yeah. angel, and I said, yeah. just joking around, I said, should I stop at this rest area or the next one? Because I knew I needed to stop mm-hmm. for gas. Yeah. And I got this clear sense that he, he was saying, obey the law. And I looked, and wow. I saw what my speed was, and I saw his point. So I slowed down. But pretty soon my foot got pretty pretty heavy again yeah. on the accelerator and sure enough sure enough within within a couple miles i got pulled over and i got a ticket
3: oh my gosh <laughs> <So>
0: that, <laughs> so that was that's the way mike aquilina learns learns about following the guardian angel's instructions the hard way because oh, i'm, I love I'm stubborn
3: <laughs> yeah, life, life's a great teacher isn't it? that's something else you got that inspiration you're going to respond to it or ignore it that's awesome well mike i have gotta leave it right here i, I want to thank you too for your wonderful work over the years, your contribution uh, on so many different fronts uh, promoting And I want to thank
0: you for yours. Listen to that that, that guy who came into the church and he's using you for his formation. I thought that was great that Todd said that. Wonderful.
3: I'm I'm humbled by it. I play a small role here. I mean, there's such great minds and so many wonderful people at this network and contributors like, like you, like I said, you know, you've done so much to promote St. Joseph and of course angels and you've written 40 books. I hope people will check them out and best place to get them again. If, if people want to get Catholic, them for
0: Christmas, Catholic books, direct.com.
3: All right. Catholic books, com. Uh, check out uh, Mike's latest book, too. I think you'll, you'll enjoy it. No, well, your latest is probably on St. Joseph. If you want a book on angels, Angels of God is the one you're going to want to read. What is your latest book, by the way? Is it the one you just did on St. Joseph we talked about?
0: Actually, I had a more recent book just came out. It's called Friendship and the Fathers. It's about how oh, wow. the early church evangelized.
3: All right. Well, you got a repertoire of stuff, so I hope people will check it out. Michael, thank you. Great to talk. Hey, thanks you. for having me, Drew. Merry Christmas to you. And to you. Thank you. That's Mike Aquilina. Again, you can check him out at his website or, of course, at CatholicBooksDirect.com and check out his books. A great, great great writer. We're going to pray the chaplet coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Of course, you can join me, 888-914-9149. 888 You know, as always, um, at this time of year in the secular world, uh, there's all these stories speculating about what the Star of Bethlehem was. And I came across something that really struck me because there's a lot of different theories as to what it could have been, right? A supernova, a planet, a comet, a, con- a rare flux in a constellation, and you know, a whole litany of types of things. There's a lot of different theories out there as to what it might have been. Um, somebody made the case. They, they said, could it be an angel? Could it have been a spirit, an angel beckoning? And I thought, that's wacky. How do you make your case for that? But listen, they said that the Bible refers to uh, angels as stars, Like in places like Job, Job 38, seven, while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy or Psalm 147, they refer to this. So the person raised the specter, the question, the issue, could that light that hung in the night sky that has really no astronomical explanation, could it have been a divine light? Could it have been a bright angel? We know from these mysterious strangers to the flashes of light, angels can take any form they wish, right? I interviewed a, uh, a physician, uh, a doctor. Actually, he was an atheist doctor. His name was Dr. Howard Stern. Um, I believe he was from uh, the. Uh, he was former chairman of the art department at Northern Kentucky University. He's now a minister. He had a near death experience. He died, and he glimpsed the other side, and he saw his destiny was going to be hell. I, I don't have time to share the story with you, but. He said to me, he said, angels rarely appear in, in glory. You know, at times they have appeared in full glory. And when they do that, right, at the times they do that, we encounter them, you may not recognize your angel, but when they do, sometimes it's unbearable. He says, the brightness of the light that radiates from them is brighter than the light from the sun, brighter than the light from a welding torch. The light doesn't burn the eyes, he says, but it frightens many. I mean, Mary... The angel gave said, be not afraid. We know what happened in all these angelic encounters. There's something majestic, something powerful about them. It's an experience of supernatural glory and the power of an angel, right? So, is it possible, you know, and it's hard to describe angels in their natural s- uh, state. Uh, are they brighter than lightning? Yes. They're beautiful beyond comparison. They're powerful. They're loving. They're gentle. And yet words fail, really, to describe them. I thought it was a uh, interesting theory. Angels can move through time and space, right, as easily as thinking. Could it have been an angelic guide that hung in the night sky that led the Magi to the birth of, to the child Jesus? Don't forget, angels appeared that night on that hill to all those shepherds and they sang. It's food for thought. We'll talk about the Magi a little bit later. All right? We'll also talk about the Star of Bethlehem. Stay with me.